0: Amen, amen, Cedric will take it away from here, but if you guys could do me a huge favor, just give God your highest praise right now in the house, yes, because I couldn't have that on my conscience, I couldn't come up here and accept more glory than our God, are you guys excited to be here this morning? I'm truly excited to be here this morning. So as Pastor Aaron said, we have something very special in store. But before we do that, I want to take a second to give honor where honor is due. My name is Cedric, and I have the privilege of leading our creative team here, doing tons of videos, graphics, and anything associated with creative work. And I can tell you this right now. It has been the highlight of my life to serve this church, to serve our community. And I know for a fact that it would not be possible to do it in the capacity that I do it um, if it wasn't for you guys' it's generosity. It's your giving, it's your tithing that allows not only myself, but the entire staff that we have, Pastor Aaron included, that truly allows us to do what we were called to do. And that's serve the body, serve the church, and really equip you guys to do the work of ministry. So thank you guys. All right, so as, they, um, as Pastor Aaron has mentioned and Pastor Tim has mentioned, we have something in store for you guys that we've done before. We've had the privilege of doing it once before, and it was amazing, and we thought it'd be great to bring it back. So, what we're doing today is a six on six, as you guys can see already, I hope. You know what I'm saying? You can see Carlton. He's our resident eye doctor if you can't see. We have six people on the stage right now. Um, prepare, they've been preparing over the last two weeks to bring you guys something incredible. It's a little bit of their story mixed with God's word and the truth of his love in our lives. And it's just become something that we really enjoy. They've been preparing super hard for this. So I want you guys to be super attentive. I want you guys to do encouraging things as they're speaking like, yeah, that's good preach amen you know i'm saying there'll be some opportunities for you guys to clap you know it's okay to do that that is how if you were wondering well how could me this person in this seat encourage somebody that's speaking on the stage you know clap encourage amen hallelujah land it right there pastor even though none of them are pastors they will be highly encouraged you feel what i'm saying so anyway, this is an interactive thing. That's really what I'm getting at. And, you know, they're here. They're talking to you. And the idea is that we'll be engaging. We'll be communicating because these are just people. They're people that work normal jobs like the rest of us here. And I think that's what makes this service so powerful. So what I'm going to do to save time, guys, I'm stalling as long as I can. I'm, as long as I can, I promise. <laughs> what I'm going to do to save time, though, is I'm going to go ahead and introduce them all by name right now so that you guys can know ahead of time all the speakers that are going to come up. And then I'm going to release it to our first speaker. So, would you put your hands together for my good friend, Mr. Ed White. So good. It's going to be so good. You guys are in for a treat. Then she is follow- he is followed by my friend, Ms. Janet Gaspari. Yeah. Janet Gaspari will then pass the microphone off to Mr. Jeremy Moore. Yeah. Who will then be followed by Ms. Jill Patkunis. You you guys are in for a treat. You don't even know. She will then pass the microphone off to my friend Nick Miller. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Miss Michelle Keener will bring it home. So there's a lot of speakers on stage. So how this is going to work is we've given them six minutes to tell whatever it is they're going to tell. I know what they're going to tell, but you don't know. So they have six minutes to wrap this thing up from beginning to end. And we have a timer that's going to be on their clock back there. And you guys are also going to participate because we're going to have timers on both of these side screens so you guys will be able to, you know, no, right. oh, go- nah. <laughs> nah, we don't have any like special buzzers or anything like that that's going to go off. But they do very well at keeping to their time. They may go over a few seconds. But it's going to be fun. So are you guys ready to do this thing? Yeah. Let's do this thing. All right. I'll stall long enough, Ed. It is your turn, buddy.
1: Thanks, Cedric. How amazing is this guy, man? He gets you fired up in the morning. Yeah, we're so blessed to have him. All right, so when Pastor Aaron asked me to speak at this, I didn't want to. I uh, had a hard year, really hard year. And uh, I was like, okay, what am I going to talk about? Um, And I really, as I started praying about it, I think I've got something to share with you that's going to resonate with a lot of you. I think you relate to what I'm going to share. Like I said, it was a hard year. My job has just been misery. The stock price of our company is half what it was a year ago. We fired our CEO. I had to lay off 25% of my team right before the Christmas holidays. And the people that work for me, I, I... they're my family, right? When you have to go through that, it never gets easy. So going to work every day in that environment kind of wears you down. And I've been in church leadership here for over 11 years. And I've seen, it's been one of the most rewarding things of my life to see this church grow from one service with about half full to five services over 1,000 people. I mean, I was part of the team that we were debating whether we, we couldn't afford a children's pastor. On paper, we couldn't. Not only do we have that, we're building a full children's building now. Ten years later, imagine that. But uh, it it hasn't been linear. There's been starts and stops. There's been some battles. There's been some crazy stuff. And 2019 was the craziest of all. Pastor Aaron and I have partnered together through this, and I've seen what he's gone through. And, you know, let me just tell you, I could preach a whole sermon on what I'm going to tell you next. But our job is to love and support our pastor, period. If you guys get that, things will go a lot easier. That's all I'm gonna say. I could preach a whole sermon on it. But we were both so glad when 2020 rolled around. We're like texting each other. It's like, yes, 2020, let's get let's get uh, a new year kicked off. And so uh then health wise, so I'm I'm old. I you go to the the checkup and it's like taking an old car in, you know, they find all this stuff and from a football injury and army and 20 years of racquetball, I had worn my knees out. I mean, all the, I couldn't even keep up with how many surgeries, and I couldn't even walk to the mailbox a couple of years ago, and I decided to replace both knees at the same time. Seemed like a good idea, right? I know you got to wait till you get to heaven to get a new body. Well, I wanted to jumpstart it a little early with the knees, and... Uh, man, you wake up and your muscles are all cut and you can't even walk and it's all this swelling. You're like, what did I do? And you know, I didn't realize the, uh, a lot of people that have this go through depression. And I went through that in, in the recovery process so that I had all of, some other health stuff going on. And then the family, well, for, one of the things that happened was our uh, 10-year-old golden retriever, Jack, he died. He was my best friend. A sudden death, uh, my wife and my older son, my older son plays bass. He's the cool, handsome kid on bass. He was there, and I was going to take him to the vet. And he said, no, call our other two kids. They, want, they need to see him. So we called the high school. My wife did it and got him out. They came home, and they didn't hear this. But what happened was one of the teachers misunderstood, and they thought Adam's dad had died. So that had spread through the community. Our small group, I mean, for hours thought I was dead. They were trying to figure out how to come over and console Eleanor. And then I don't like Facebook, but thank God she put something on Facebook with Jack's picture, rest in peace. And then one of the ladies put two and two together and called like, "Was it Jack that died?" And I was like, "Yeah." She, oh, thank God! You know, and I was I, I was physically depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat for. I mean, that was my best friend and a family member. So it kind of started with that. And then who, whoever's had kids that have raised them from teenage to early adult, you know, that can be a roller coaster ride. I mean, it's it's a little bit crazy. I put my parents through a lot of stuff and. You know, there's these cute little kids that loved you. They were always around you. All of a sudden, they don't want to talk to you. Uh, they defy you. They wreck your car. They run away from home. They get in trouble. <laughs> they go through painful breakups. I mean, it's, you live through that with them, and you got to love them through it. But, man, it's an emotion. We had all that stuff going on. And then the hardest part was we had a 24-year-old nephew commit suicide right before Thanksgiving. It was... It, you mix all this stuff together, it's tough, right? But, uh, so what do you do? What do you do when you're going through all these storms and some of them are hitting you all at once? Well, the first thing you do is pray. Pray first, pray often. And I was down here, uh, right down there praying one Saturday morning on my knees. Praying was more like crying out to God. And I heard him clearly. I don't hear him that often, but when I hear him, it's powerful. And he said, if you hold on to me when you're in the valley, I will carry you up the mountain. And that was powerful. So, prayer and, and pray for protection. Pray, thank you, thank God in advance because He doesn't fail. He He told me that if it's my will, I will. Think about that. If it's my will, if what you're praying is God's will, He will do it. It may not be on our timetable. It never is, but uh, He will do it. The other thing is stay in His Word. So, one of the one of the passages I've been meditating on is Matthew seventeen twenty, where Jesus told his disciples. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the tip of a pin, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there and it will move. Nothing is impossible. That's what he tells us in his word. And if you read that over and over, you start to believe it. It builds your faith. And the cool part about faith is it doesn't have to be your faith or how strong your faith is. It's who the object of your faith is in. You know, faith in myself, that's worth nothing, but a little bit of faith in God and he will move mountains. Um, And the other thing is, Worship is crazy. We were playing the song, Sea of Victory, this weekend. My wife's on the worship team tonight, and I was like, you're playing that? That song has been on me for, like, months. As soon as it came out, I resonated with it. I play it driving to work. I play it driving home. I play it when I'm, when I'm working out. It's like, how many times are you going to play that song? But it keeps resonating, right? And I love that part in it where it says, in the battles, right, God's going to come through. I mean, he's the God that never fails, going to worship my way through the battles, so we got prayer, we got God's word, we've got worship, we know what to do, and then relationships, right? We've got a great small group. My wife has been by my side. My older son has drawn closer to me through this process. There's people like and I'll call them out, Dave and Susan Barth and Steve Gaspari. These are people I'm smart enough to know I'm not that smart. So <laughs> When I go through this stuff, I call on people like that to let me come over and talk through it. I mean, we've got people in this church that are just waiting to help you. You don't have to go through this alone. And I know, I see the prayer requests. A lot of you are going through harder stuff than I've gone through. And, you know, whether it's your, your relationships, your marriage, your career, your health, I know what you're going through. But you know what, even when you're in the valley, like I wish I could say God's taken me all the way up the mountain and all this stuff is cleared out and I'm not dealing with any of it. There are some victories I'm starting to see, but I'm still in the middle of it. You know what, but I'm going to remain faithful. And the reason we have to have these tools and know how to get through it is because it's not about us. When Aaron interviewed with our team and he said one thing, he said, the people that aren't in your church are more important than the ones that are. And that really hit home. We're saved. We know God. I mean, if you're, if you're new here, that's different. But there's people out there that need God. There's people out there that need us. And if we get so wrapped up in ourselves as Satan ties us down in our own junk, we'll never see people outside of ourselves. We've got to go rescue those people. We've got, they need God. They need this church. And so as we're going through these battles, and just like Tim said, it's going to be hard. He didn't say it was going to be easy. We've got to stay focused outside of ourselves. And so my, my closing thought is just what God told me. If you hold tight to him when you're in the valley, he will carry you up the mountain. Amen. Yeah.
2: Good morning. Today I stand before you a free woman. Still imperfect, I walk with the certainty of God's deep abiding love and forgiveness that he has for me. As an early 5 a.m. riser, I go downstairs, turn the fireplace on, get coffee, and put my earbuds in and listen to my favorite worship songs and thank God daily for his tender mercy and grace that he gives me each day. But the truth is, I wasn't always free. 26 years ago, my husband and I were separated for the second time. I was pregnant and very alone. One afternoon, I remember lying on my bed, devastated and scared as what I was going to do. I was afraid for this new life that was being brought into the world in less than ideal circumstances and scared for the four-year-old daughter that we had. I was angry and defeated by my terrible situation, and I was angry at God. And as I laid there, my Bible at my side, I hit the top of it and said, God, please, please, God, show me something here that reveals who you are to me, God. I am so hurt, God. I am so desperate. Please, God. And quickly, I opened the Bible up to Psalms 34, 18. He is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I could not believe what I read. He said, Janet, I am close to your broken heart, and I will save your crushed spirit. The God, the master of the universe, intervie- intersected with me, Janet and Carlsbad, in my ever-desperate need. Have you ever had God speak to you in your darkest moment, when you're face down on the floor and you don't know how to get up? When this hopeful scripture was given to me, I read it over and over again in hopes that I was reading it correctly. I was immediately filled with God's comfort and a hope for me and my children's future. In the days and weeks that followed, I could not stop telling others about how God had spoken to me in that way. You see, while my immediate circumstances did not change, my life did as I looked up to my father to steady my walk. While I had been raised in the church, I did not have a real true relationship with Jesus. I was a doubting Thomas, and I was so weary from my situation that I needed Jesus to show me his wounds, and he did when he spoke to me that day. A new hope had replaced my doubt, and slowly I was able to put one foot ahead of the next with Jesus at my side. While my circumstances did not change for years— My life did as I was transformed little by little by God. Along my harried path, my transformation included Christian women and others who walked along my side for years. I could not have done it without you. Ultimately, my husband and I separated three times. We once had a therapist tell us that she had never seen such contempt that two people had for one another. When I went home, I ran to the dictionary. You know, that's what we used to do. (laughs) And I looked up the word just to make sure I knew what it meant. And trust me, you do not want your marriage defined by that. And yet, in God's timing, he orchestrated an ending beyond human comprehension. God not only healed my broken heart and my crushed spirit, by the grace of God, he transformed my husband and healed our marriage. God transforms Steve into a beautiful, loving husband and father who truly walks with the Lord. He lives his daily amends in the way he loves me, and he honors, loves me and our children, and in also in the way that he conducts himself with other people. Weekly, we get to reflect on the profoundness of the healings as my husband and I lead a Relate small group Uh, to married couples, and we recognize our need to continually grow our marriage and not to take for granted God's healing. We see the fruits of this healing in our children's lives, in the lives of our friends and family, and in people that the Lord puts in our path. In the midst of this season, in the last 20 years of being brought out of darkness, we have had to endure painful, challenging seasons, such as my husband's head and neck cancer, and last year my bout with breast cancer. He walked along my side as a bald woman, and I learned that I did not have to lose my joy just because I lost my hair. (laughs) We got to deal with the aftermath of the separation and the abandonment and the impact and the chaos on the lives of our children when they were young. This was particularly true for our daughter as our son was very young. And yet, despite her painful years, it was, it's was been so beautiful to see how God has transformed and healed her. She has her own beautiful relationship and loving relationship with Jesus. The dividends it's paying in her marriage and the foundation it sets for our first grandchild is so gratifying to sense and feel the depths of, lo- of God's love, mercy, and grace. In reflection, I now see that while I was in the depths of the valley Um, God ultimately was preparing me for a new season of ministry. I am hopeful that God has and continues to use my life experience and wisdom for his glory. I have the honor and privilege to share in countless women and men's lives, and, and I share in their joys, I share in their sorrows, and ultimately I am able to stand in the gap in prayer for them. Just as Jesus tells us in Matthew 1130, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we are tethered together through the love of Jesus, we too help to carry each other's burdens and encourage others to pick up their mat and walk. In Isaiah 61, the Bible tells us, God will bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of of praise instead of despair. For me and my family, thankfully, he has done just that.
3: What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeremy Moore, and I've got six minutes to encourage you. So we're going to have a little fun together. I'm going to need your help. Real quickly, I want to show hands. Any of you that you feel God moving in your heart, calling you to something new, raise your hand. I want you to keep your hand up. Back up. (laughs) Keep your hand up if you feel like that thing that God is calling you to is too scary and you're afraid to move into that next thing that he's got for you. For all of you whose hands are still up, I thank you for your honesty, and for the rest of you, better stop lying in church. I kinda wanna start here. For me in this church, I had been here for three years and even a little bit before that, I felt the calling uh, on my life. But I felt like if you all knew who I was when I turned my back on God for 10 years and allowed me to believe the lies of the value that I had here, you wouldn't want my help. I wouldn't be able to help you at all. And I think what it fundamentally comes down to is that I felt unqualified. I hadn't yet established a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't living as big in me as he possibly could. But I'll tell you, God was there the whole time. Evidenced by this perfect wife that I have, these incredible little kids, one of which I'm looking at right now, such a blessing. And he's done incredible things. He wants me to do incredible things to help other people. And it's him and his power in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through five, Paul talks about proclaiming the gospel to the church in Corinth. And what he says is that we should derive our power and our confidence from the cross, not in our own humanly understanding. And if you all know something about Paul, he had some understanding. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, sort of Hall of Fame status. And he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. So we had the, both the knowledge and the experience to carry him through. But he goes on to say that it was with the fear and trembling that he preached the gospel, which is in direct opposition of self-confidence, because we should derive our confidence from the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives through what Jesus did for us. So what I thought I'd do today is kind of share with you the three ways that I see us believers disqualify ourselves when God's already qualified us into something new. And the first way is just unhealthy relationships. People that would speak anything less than life over you. And what happens when that negativity continues to permeate who you are? You start to believe it. So I ask, and I know this is really hard to hear, that you would abandon those relationships. Do it gracefully, but you would stop allowing people to speak negativity into you and stop you from receiving what God wants for you. The second thing, and I think this is going to resonate hopefully with some of you, is is that I'll be ready when. I'll be ready when I have that job so I can buy that house. Then I can kind of take a step back in my career and I can serve God's kingdom. Or, once I'm a little bit more financially secure and my kids get a little bit older, maybe five, maybe six, maybe ten or fifteen, I'll be ready to serve God's kingdom. And my favorite one is, Well, I'm just waiting for somebody to be able to come alongside me and tell me how incredibly sanctified I am and I completely reflect the image of Jesus. And then I can proclaim the gospel. But what I can tell you is that doesn't happen. It's by faith that we have to take these next steps. We take these steps in faith and then we see God show up in those moments. And the last one and perhaps most dangerous is the spirit of comparison. So I need your help again. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I'm not you. That's right. You're not the person next to you. Stop trying to be them. God designed each of us with a specific purpose in our lives so we can continue to walk out what he's called us into. Because when we take our eyes off of what God wants for us and we focus it on somebody else, we inevitably lose our way. And there's, there's another way, right? I'm going to say it another way. God is not closing a gap between you and the person next to you or you and your neighbor. The gap that God's closing in your life is between who you are and who he's calling you to become. And we do that. We do that by faith. Faith is the key to all of this. Faith is like this umbrella that allows us to receive his grace and his righteousness so that we can feel the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Because for some reason we have this predisposition as believers to be able to say that this thing that we're being called into is too big. It's crazy. God, I can't possibly do that thing that you're asking me to do. Because I'm unqualified. But I'll tell you what God says about you. The truth about what God says about you is that you are forgiven. You are righteous. You are made perfect in his image. That you are powerful. You are confident. Stop disrespecting God's word and start letting it hit you in the heart. Start moving into what God wants for you. Because you are made perfect in His image and you are capable of so much more than you're doing right now. You know you are. When you let that hit your heart, when you listen to those words, you know that you can do something new. He's created you as a new image, He's created you as a new creation. So I'll close with this real quick. In the Living Bible, out of Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. I think about it this way. If I do what only I'm capable of doing in my own humanly understanding, my own humanly wisdom, my own humanly ability, I don't need God. And I know that we need God. Not just for salvation, because we need him for that, but we need his power, his presence, to be able to work through us to carry into the purpose that he's called us into so that we can be a blessing to others. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
4: Good morning. It's such an honor and it's so humbling to get to be here with these amazing people. Um, I'm so grateful for this church. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the wilderness. Have you been there? Did you know the Bible mentions the wilderness over 300 times? I think God wants to talk to us about the wilderness. Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit led him there for a time of testing by the accuser. And of course, Jesus, he knew his identity as the son of God, and he passed every test the enemy through his way. I was in the wilderness recently, and that was not my experience. You see, the wilderness revealed not much power and a whole lot of weakness in my life. I had a faulty belief system and um, just a completely false identity. Um, What I believed about life was that the pursuit of perfection with the perfect husband kids with no problems. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect house, cars, bank accounts, luxury, comfort. I believed that that's what a good life looked like, pursuing all of those things. That's where I spent my time and my effort, and I didn't realize it, but that's where my identity was found. And then overnight... I found out that my perfect marriage of 22 years was not perfect. In fact, it was off the deep end. And my precious husband, he was caught up in the darkness of pornography and sexual betrayal. And my whole world crashed in one moment. I felt so alone, so empty. I was traumatized. I was in shock, disbelief. As a woman, I felt like I wasn't enough. I looked in the mirror, and all I saw was worthless. The wilderness, it's terrible. It's so painful. It's horrible. I didn't think I was going to make it out of there. But by the grace of God, He had me sitting right where you're sitting today. And we had actually been invited by some wonderful friends to this church and had been here over a year before all of this fell out. And by the way, you need those friends because you can't be in the wilderness in isolation. Um, They introduced us to wonderful Christian counseling and we realized that we had some deep wounds that we needed to look at and heal before we could even receive the love of God. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I was a zombie for a while, but through connecting with people and being vulnerable, sharing my pain, I was able to open my heart and and these scriptures begin to fall on my heart. Deuteronomy 31a the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. do not be discouraged. I thought he's talking to me. Psalm 9:9 the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I thought, he's talking to me. He's telling me to seek him. So that's what I did. My husband, he received his own healing, praise God. He went through a, a battle um, with recovery and groups and pure desire groups right here. And now he leads groups and helps bring men out of the darkness. And it's wonderful. And the Lord brought our marriage back together with two people that independently were seeking Jesus and then brought our marriage back together where Jesus was first. And it is amazing. And Matthew four twenty four says... Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. Everyone. So I don't know where you are today and what wilderness wheel you're on, the one with your finances going down the tubes or your marriage or um, what you're believing about that marriage or yourself even, like that you're not enough or that you won't ever be loved Um, Begin to be aware of those thoughts and the lies that you're believing around those things because Jesus wants to meet you right there in that wilderness, and he wants to tell you that those are lies. They're lies. You're believing lies, and he wants you to seek him and go deep with him, stay connected with others until you have his truth deep, so deep that you are not afraid to experience anything that comes your way and then get up and run out of that wilderness and pick up others on your way out because this hurting world needs to see Jesus, and they need to know that the wilderness can be beautiful. Thank you.
5: I was living a double life. I manipulated people, I wounded people, I betrayed people. By 18 years old, I had a sexual addiction, I was using marijuana every day, I was abusing alcohol four to five times a week. These behaviors are not coincidences. They were based on deeply held beliefs. There's a backstory behind these beliefs, and I'm gonna do my best to take these few minutes to share a snapshot of that story. And I pray that that story gives you words for your story. I pray that that story gives you hope and faith in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and he gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. From a very young age, I experienced neglect. I was shy, I had a hard time socializing. At school, I had difficulty learning, comprehension, retention, struggled. I was bullied, I was made fun of, my classmates disrespected me. I struggled to succeed in sports. When I was young, my family had a different economic status. Our home was smaller, our cars were older, I didn't have the clothes the other kids had. I have the shoes or the possessions that my peers had. When I was young, I made a choice. I took emotional care for my mom. I heard my dad criticize me. I felt critiqued. I felt like I was not good enough. And I heard no a lot, heard no a lot throughout my life. And I'm no victim. I'm not standing up here to blame anyone. I'm simply telling the story that I stepped through. These experiences caused pain. They caused heartache. They troubled me as a young man. There was was harm done. And the crazy part is, I would have told you, there's nothing in my past that's affecting my present. I was not aware of how wounded I was. I simply thought, I'm the problem. I just need to get better. I just need to try a little harder. I need to make some better decisions. I'll be okay. I was believing lies. There's something wrong with you. You're different. You don't fit in. You're not good enough. I developed destructive behaviors to deal with the darkness of these lies. That darkness had been destroying my life and I didn't even know it. And then truth entered in. I came to know Jesus Christ in 2009 at age 26. I heard about the love and the forgiveness that the Father wanted to give me, and I wanted to receive it. I wanted to take and and receive that relationship that I heard people talking about, the pastor and the people in the community I was part of. And here's what I want everyone here to know. If you take away one thing, God loves you. Period. Period. Right where you are, there is nothing you've ever done, or maybe it's what you haven't done. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing His grace that cannot reach in and impact. The church became a place where I was fully accepted, even though I wasn't accepting myself. God's love, His gentleness, His kindness, they touched my life, and I have been marked by mercy to this day. My life has dramatically improved in all areas. I stand here living free in sexual purity. I live free from drug use, from alcohol abuse. I have an amazing relationship with my family. I have a calling and a purpose, and I have a community of people who know me. And most important, I am a child of God So you may be asking yourself, what changed? What happened? We want to know. And there's a story. I took the risk of relationship, first with God and then with people. In 2014, I was invited to join a Men's Conquer series group. I want you to remember those words, a Men's Conquer series group. And for the first time in my life, I got honest about everything, things that I swore I was taking to the grave, things I wanted no one to know about me. And those men loved me. The men in that group accepted me, in spite of my weakness, in spite of my brokenness. And it was not an aha moment. Those behaviors continued. Those destructive patterns played themselves out for weeks, for months. Those men were a conduit of God's love into my life. And I'm going to close with this: you are you are invited to have that experience. Our church is full of small groups that want to build those connections for you. And I just want to highlight this Conquer Series group because that's what impacted my life. We run Conquer Series groups right here at our church. You can sign up online. You can come find me after the service. You can talk to any one of our leaders, and they will get you connected. And if it's not Conquer Series, please join a group. I am inviting you today to take a step. I'm inviting you to learn about and to develop your story. There are people here who want to know you. They want to know your story. If you're a man and you can hear this, you are invited to take that step with us. Whatever fear you have, whatever's holding you back, give it to God today. The only regrets I have in my life are not saying yes to God sooner and not saying yes to God more often. Before you leave today, take a step of faith take a step of faith. God wants to rewrite the ending of your story. And this church, in this community, wants to help write the next chapter of your story. Thank you.
6: Ooh, that was good. <sighs> Last, man. So good morning, Coastline. Have you guys been blessed so far today? All right. Let's see if we can finish strong. So if you have been following along in our one-year Bible reading plan, a few weeks ago we were in the book of Exodus, and at the end of the book of Exodus, the Israelites are building the tabernacle for the Lord. Now God had given Moses very specific instructions for how to build the tabernacle, like down to the cubit, right? And so in Exodus chapter 36, verse 2, it reads, then Moses summoned Bezalel, And Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability, and who was willing to come and do the work, and it was the phrase "who was willing" that jumped out at me as I read through it this year. So I went back one chapter, and in Exodus thirty-five, the Israelites are bringing all the resources they need to build the tabernacle. So they're bringing the gold, they're bringing the bronze, the goat hair, the ram skins—you know, all the stuff that you stock in your pantry, right? And so all the Israelites who had the goat hair and the Israelites who had the skill and were willing saw their offerings received by the Lord and used to build a place where his glory would dwell. But what's interesting is the presence of the word willing implies that there were Israelites who were unwilling. Otherwise, the text might have said something like, all the Israelites brought their goat hair to the tabernacle, but it was only those who were willing to do it. And that got me thinking, how often are we today unwilling to bring... Even if we know that what we have will be lovingly received by God and used for his glory according to his plan and for his purpose still we hesitate. Why? Maybe we worry that what we have isn't all that special or it feels like it isn't big enough or maybe God couldn't do a whole lot with our skills or our talents or whatever it is we have to bring and so we hesitate. But here's what I want to tell you and this is the encouraging part so if you're taking notes write this down. There is nothing insignificant in the hands of God. Can I say that one more time? Because some of y'all didn't write it down. There is nothing insignificant in the hands of God. God created the universe out of nothing. There was God, and there was nothing. God spoke, and there was everything. So imagine what God could do with your talent Imagine what God could do with your time. Imagine what God could do with your prayers, your skills, or your gifts, if you are willing to bring them to him. Now, you may be saying, hey, Michelle, that sounds great for all these people over here who have some shiny, pretty, nice things to bring. I got a lot of junk in my closet. Well, what if you bring God your junk? What if you bring God your past? What if you bring God your mistakes? What if you bring him your regrets, your brokenness, your hurts, your illness, your marriage, whatever it is? What if you bring that to God? Lay it in his hands. Let him shape it and mold it and turn it into something glorious. Amen? All right, that's good so far. (laughs) But here's the thing. God won't use what we don't give. He's not a thief. He's God. God will only use what we lay in his hands. And here's the thing is God didn't ask the Israelites to bring him stuff they couldn't give. The tabernacle wasn't made out of Kevlar because the Israelites didn't have Kevlar. God wants to use what you already have. If you will bring it to him and trust him with it, it will become a place where his glory will dwell. Amen? So you can trust God with your pain. You can trust God with your dreams. Our deepest wounds and our biggest hopes can all become a place where his glory will dwell if we lay it in his hands. Amen? So today, I just want to close with a quick word and say, if you haven't yet laid your life in God's hands if you haven't yet accepted the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ won for you on the cross, would you be willing to do that today? Would you be willing to bring your life to him today? I'm not gonna make you raise your hands, it's okay. But we have a prayer terrace outside. I love my prayer terrace. And our prayer leaders would love to talk to you and they would love to walk you through this. Because if you bring your life to God, if you lay it in His hands, your life will become a place where His glory will dwell. Amen? Amen. All right. I finished early. I get a gold star. God bless you, Coastline.
0: Wow. Amen. 30, 30 seconds to spare. Would you guys make some noise again for all of our speakers as they are dismissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys can go down. Yeah. That was amazing. Wow. As I said before, th- there's, there's two reasons why I think we really love this, um, this message that we bring, uh, well, now, you know, once a year. is because, one, it shows us that, again, we are ordinary people. People that work regular jobs. My friend Michelle's an author. We got some accountants, some cloud data technology experts just sharing the love of God in their lives. And secondly, what I love about this is that we don't give our speakers any prompts. They email us, what should we write about? What should we say? It's like, look, you don't need a holy Aaron and you don't need a holy Cedric. What we need you to do is pray to the Holy Spirit. Say what he would have you say. And what's happened twice now is that the Holy Spirit is giving them all the same prompt. And what I love today is they talked about faith. And they talked about a very specific faith. Specific, specific. Very specific faith. The faith that requires us to walk daily. Daily. And so when I was sitting there, God gave me this really cool analogy. And I hope you guys get it. You know, like sometimes when God downloads stuff, you're like, I got to share this with everybody. So I, want, I, I thought about faith in the two concepts in which I think we understand it at first. And then the concept that I think God wants to get us to, right? And so imagine you get off work. It's 5 o'clock. You're ready to go home. La, la, la. You got your suitcase, your briefcase, whatever it might be. You get inside your car. You're driving down to 5 North or south, depending on where you are. You got the radio blasting. You're in your own world, right? mean, your own world, you're beeline into your house. Jamming if you like me, you listen to the radio. Making my way downtown, facing fast as I'm homebound. Y'all know, is that all? Okay, I know, what y'all are. <laughs> Okay, Right. You're just in your own world. You're in your own world, right? And if you, if you're familiar with the five, traffic is going to stop eventually like not slow down it's going to actually stop and if you're not paying attention you're going to be in a situation that you can't get out of and I think that's our introduction to faith Jesus take the will. I'm in this situation that I cannot get out on my own take it we close our eyes and we hope for the best I don't know what's gonna happen am I still alive right and we are, we are in situations where we need Jesus, we need God to actually perform a miracle. We need him to pick our car up, our vehicle up, our motorcycle, bicycle if you're in North County. We need, him, we need him to pick it up, move it in front of everything that is in the way so that we can continue on our journey. And I think that's okay. I think that's our introduction to faith. That's kind of what we understand it because, right, we live our own lives and then we, we call on God when we need him. That's, I think, what our understanding of Christianity is a lot before we really understand the heart of God. Then there's scenario number two. The faith that I feel like I saw all of our speakers talk about today. Where it's a daily process, it's a daily invitation of inviting God in our lives to help us make decisions, right? Because the truth of the matter is, things still things happen that way. I believe that's how our enemy works, right? But it's different when we have Jesus in the car. We're cruising, we're cruising. Holy Spirit. Because, right, I mean, Jesus in the car, right? So we changed the music. You feel what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? I got a victory. You, know, you like this one, Jesus? Yeah, this is great. Right? And we're in our own world. We're in this world that we have invited Jesus into. And the veil, it still gets pulled. Sometimes the rug still gets pulled, right? We look up and, wow, my marriage is not what I thought it was. My husband's been living a double life. We look up and, wow, this drug addiction, this pornography addiction is way worse than I thought it was. This alcoholism, way worse than I thought it was. I'm getting fired from my job, from something I thought I had under control. And we may have this initial reaction to do the same thing. Jesus, take the will. And he's like, great, I've been, I've been waiting for you to ask me to do that. But we're going to take this will together. So he says, son, daughter, put your hand back on the wheel. Put your foot on the brake. Slow down. Shift lanes. Go outside today and talk to that guy, Nick, and ask him how to get into a pure desire class. Go outside and talk to our buddies over at the financial booth. Get on this path to financial freedom, right? And we take steps with God. We deal with forgiveness step. Wow, burdens lifted. Now I can deal with this next step of refinding, finding joy again in my life. A joy that is unspeakable, a peace that is unspeakable where I can come to this understanding that I may lose my hair to breast cancer, but that doesn't mean I lose my joy. That doesn't mean I stop living. That doesn't mean that my life is over. It means I draw closer to God and I keep joy and I keep pressing forward into the freedom and the victory that God wants us to live today. I hope this made sense to you guys. I was sitting over there, I was like, Lord, that is so dope. I'm gonna share that. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you guys for coming today. Listen, listen, yeah, yeah, we give you glory. We give him the glory. All right. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we're going to have our worship team come up and close us in a song of worship. But what I want you guys to do right now, usually in our, in our notes, we usually have a section at the end that says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because, again, you don't need a Holy Cedric or Holy Aaron or Holy anyone. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him to make this stuff real to you. You need him to identify what your next step is. And what my prayer is, whether it be receiving him as your Lord and Savior dealing with freedom, dealing with shame, dealing with pain, guilt, financial, whatever it may be, my prayer is that you would have enough courage to take the first step, that you would have enough strength to take the first step, that you would have enough humility to see that you do have a problem and that you don't have to live in it, that there are steps you can take to live free today. So would you close your eyes with me? Father God, we thank you We thank you that your love is so reckless in how it pursues us, that you would send your son Jesus to give his life on our behalf so that we could live heaven on earth. That's so amazing. We don't have to endure to the end. We don't have to just hold on until Jesus returns. But that He can return right now in our lives as the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit that would allow us to then step by step live in victory. So I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now. That he's speaking to them and empowering them to take their next step. Because here's the truth. There are going to be people that take their next step today. Maybe five, maybe 50, but someone's going to take their next step today. All because six people chose to take their next step some years ago. And so the truth is this. There are people depending on you to take your next step. There are people right now that are going to continue to live in the bondage that they're living in right now until you take your next step. Because they may never step foot in here to hear our friends that spoke today. They may never take a foot, take a step inside these doors to hear me or Pastor Aaron or anybody up here speak, but they will see you at work. They will see you at the water cooler. They will see you at the grocery store. They will see you at the park, play date. They'll see you. And you will have an opportunity to share what it looked like when you took your next step and how you live in freedom and love every single day. We thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.